if you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. To the book of Hebrews, to the fifth chapter. I want to look at the last part of chapter 5 and the first few verses of uh, chapter 6. So I'll give you just a moment to turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to begin at verse 11 in Hebrews chapter 5. And we'll go through the third verse of chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 says, Of whom... Now, maybe I should clarify. If you look back at the last verse in in verse 10, it says Melchizedek. That's the whom uh, of verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need the one teach ye again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on, unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the, of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Let us go ahead and, and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you here this morning or this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. Thank you for each one who's come our way tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our head, the nation that we live in. God, you've just been so good to us. You've blessed us beyond measure. And Lord, I just pray that we would always be a people with thankful hearts, always ready to give you praise and glory because you alone are worthy of it. All praise, all glory, all thanks is due to you and you alone. And Lord, we are the most thankful, God, that you sent your only begotten Son, that Jesus left the splendors and glories of heaven to come here and live a perfect life and to offer himself as a final and all-time sacrifice, not for his sins, but for our sins that he paid the price for us. God, that is a gift. No greater gift has ever been given or could ever be given. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't take that for granted. We wouldn't take that lightly, but we'd always know and remember and give you thanks. And Lord, I just pray as we go forward here this evening, God, you know our needs. You know where we stand. You know the things that we're dealing with, the things that we're going through, the things that we're facing. There's nothing that's a surprise to you, nothing that is hidden from you. And so, Lord, my prayer this, this evening is, is that you would just move here in our midst in a mighty way, and God, that you'd minister to our hearts. 
Lord, that you'd lift us up, that you'd encourage us, that you'd draw us near to you, Lord God. God, that you'd convict us of where we fall short. God, I pray that you'd give us a boldness to go forward and to speak your word. God, I pray that you would use us to minister. Uh, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just have your way and your will here. God, that here tonight you would stir our hearts. God, that you would fan the flames in our hearts. God, that we would leave here different than how we come in. God, we leave here on fire for you, eager, desiring opportunities to serve you and to walk closer to you than ever before. So, Lord, I'm asking to have your way and your will in our midst here tonight. And, Lord, if there's any here that's maybe dangling on the edge, if there's any here that's maybe fallen away, any that's maybe just backslid a little bit, any that's just not where they ought to be, God, let tonight be the night that uh, you'd renew them to repentance. Let tonight be the night that they would turn to you. Let tonight be the night that they'd draw near to you. Let tonight be the night they'd come to themselves, come back to you. And God, if there's any that doesn't know you, any that are lost, Lord, you tell us that today is the day of salvation. Oh, God, how good it would be to see them enter into your kingdom. God, you tell us in your word that the very angels in heaven rejoice. Oh, how much we would, re would rejoice as well. Lord, I'm just praying tonight for your will to be done. Lord, let us continue to feel your presence in a mighty way, moved by your sweet Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm asking that you'd fill me full of your spirit. Lord, that you'd clear my mind of everything but your words, your message, and place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to say tonight. God, I'm asking that you anoint me from on high, and Lord, that you'd preach me here one more time tonight, and we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory. God, we love you, we worship you, we praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, the book of Hebrews. Uh, there is, I mean, it is just full of precious truths. There is precious truths found all through the book of Hebrews. I remember when we went through it in our, in our Bible study class several years ago. Um, it's just amazing, uh, you know, what God showed me during that time. And I know that there's so much there. As a matter of fact, I think it's full of truths that need to be considered, need to be pondered on a regular basis by every one of us, by every believer throughout all the land and throughout all of time. One thing that I come across that I thought was interesting, I wanted to point out to you tonight. I, I don't know that, feel like I noticed this before, but I don't really remember when or for sure. But I noticed the phrase, let us, over and over in the book of Hebrews. It's mentioned in the scriptures tonight in chapter 6, verse 1. So I, I kind of went to searching through, used the concordance, and went to searching through the book of Hebrews. And I found that that phrase, let us, those two words right together, let us, appears 13 times in 12 verses in the book of Hebrews. Now, honestly, uh, I went through and uh, I'd done a few different things so I could 
look at them together. Um, I printed them all off, or actually I had Jennifer do this for me, where I had them all together. That's, this is the 12 verses, right, that, right here. Um, I marked them in my Bible. Uh, I kind of thought, you know, what is it that, that God is trying to show us? What is it that we need to see here? I actually asked Jake to do something that I don't normally ever do. I've got all 12 of those verses. I'm going to have him put on the screen, uh, and I'm going to read them to you here in just a minute. And uh, let, me, <coughs> let me take a minute and explain myself. This is uh, putting... What are you doing, Jake? You can go ahead and put them up there. It's okay. As you can see, this is not something we normally do. This is not something we are normally going to do. I'll just give you my reasoning, and you can think I'm silly, and that's fine, all right? But as long as I'm the pastor here, we probably won't ever, you probably won't ever normally see my scriptures up on the, up on the screens unless I have a special reason to, like tonight. Um, and here's my simple reason why. I learned this whenever I was, and I can tell you the long story if you want to hear it later, but whenever I was teaching the teenagers at camp uh, one year. But anyways, here's my thing. If I start putting all my scriptures or the ones that I know that I'm going to use on the screen, there's going to be some of you that's going to have the mindset, I don't need to carry my Bible to church. That's what happened. That's what I learned with the kids at camp. That's exactly. They started out on the first day, and they had every one of them had their Bible there. By the last day at camp, none of them, or not hardly any of them, was bringing their Bible because I was putting all the verses on the screen. They didn't need to. Here is my problem with that. Your Bible, the Word of God, it is the sword of the Spirit. This is the only offensive weapon that you're given. I mean, think about it this way for just a minute. Let's compare it, right? I don't know who all here has been in the service, but could you imagine if you go into the service and maybe they issue you a rifle, but you don't ever have to take it anywhere with you. It just stays in the barracks, maybe in a rack in the barracks, and you never have to get it out. And every time you go to training, they just show you a picture of a rifle or a picture of somebody shooting the rifle on the screen. What's the point of that? So that maybe if you see one laying out in the battlefield, you can pick it up, you recognize it? I don't know. Here is my point. I don't want you to ever leave the house thinking, to come to church thinking, I don't need my Bible. You need your Bible. I want you to be used to your Bible. I want, it's your sword. It's your weapon. I want you to be familiar with it. I want you to be able to use it, to skillfully use it. Now, the only reason why I asked Jake to do this tonight is because I want to go through these 12 verses that scattered through the entire book. And, I, and I, the reason I've got them printed off instead of flipping through the pages in my Bible, I want, for time's sake, to be able to read them to you quickly. And I wanted that let us to be marked or highlighted or underlined in some way so you can see it. So the first time it appears is in chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse 11 of the same chapter. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Verse 14 of the same chapter. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. 
Verse 16 of chapter 4. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Go ahead, Jake, to the next one. Chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore leaving the... This is the one I read to you just a minute ago. Therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. The very next verse, verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Chapter 12, verse 1, this one's the one that's got two pieces of lettuce in it. You kind of see a holy salad coming together here? Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 28 of the same chapter. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us <coughs> have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Chapter 13 and verse 13, Let us go forth, therefore with him without the camp, bearing his reproach. And then verse, or chapter 13 and verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Did you, did, you, did you hear all that over and over? Let us, therefore, fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, right? That any of us should seem to come short of it. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let us, therefore, come boldly, right? Let us go on unto perfection. Let us draw near with a true heart. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Let us consider one another, right? Let us lay aside every weight that's in sin that does so easily beset us, right? Let us have grace, right? That thereby we may serve God, right? Let us have grace so that we can serve God. Let us go forth, therefore, and let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, right? Because we're a, a, we're a, a spiritual priesthood, a royal priesthood, right? And that sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Let us let us, let us. In our text, chapter 6 and verse 1, we find the phrase, let us go on unto perfection. That's the one that I felt summarized everything else or encompassed everything else the best. So let me, let me take a moment to just kind of explain some of what's going on in the text here, and then hopefully I can go on with my point. 
I think, first of all, I need to address that word perfection. Let us go on unto perfection. Now, I think that if you'll begin to look at this, you'll realize that typically how we use the word perfect or perfection is not exactly what is meant here. We, we've talked about this before, I think, in Bible study, but we use the word perfect meaning to mean flawless, okay? And that is a perfectly valid definition of perfect. But that is not the only definition of perfect, right? Also, a definition of perfect is complete, okay? Full, complete. In this context, complete in the sense of fully mature, spiritually mature. What was the verses that I read to leading up to this, right? What, wasn't it talking about those who were still on the milk and still in need of the milk, right? When I first started reading that, did you think that I was going to get on to you tonight for being babes in Christ? Uh, that's not exactly the message that God has given me tonight. But he's getting on to them, right? He's saying, I'd like to talk to you a whole lot more about Melchizedek. There is a whole lot deeper. There's a whole lot more depth that we could go into about this Melchizedek guy and what it is that God was doing and who he was. But because you're still happy to be on the milk and you're still they're dull of hearing, right? Me or you know, slow to learn. What he's trying to say here is you're, you're spiritually immature. You're still babes in Christ when you ought to be mature. You ought to have moved on. Um, now, this ain't what I come to preach about, but let me say a couple of things real quick. The idea here is it's a picture that we're all supposed to understand. We're all supposed to understand the baby, Right? Whether, whether we're talking about a human baby, whether we're talking about a little puppy, or whether we're talking about some sort of other, any kind of baby, right? They start out on milk. They start out on their mother's milk, actually, right? And, the, and they take nourishment from the milk. But here's the thing. They don't stay on the milk forever, right? That's only while they're very young, while they're babes still, right? While they're very immature, they got a lot of growing to do, but as they start growing, one of the signs, right, that they're growing, that they're healthy and growing the way they ought to be, right? When you take your child to the doctor, they got certain milestones that they're looking for that this child should be hitting at certain times, and there's going to come a certain point where they're going to start asking you, are they eating any solid food? That's not something that's different now than what it was 2,000 years ago. That same concept was understood then in Paul's day as well. If, a, if there come a point, if a baby didn't get to the point that the baby was starting to eat solid, meat or solid food, and then if you got to the point, the absurd, absurd point of a full-grown adult who still can only take a little bit of warm milk, right? If you're fully grown and all you can handle is just a little bit of warm milk, there's something wrong. Let me throw it to you the other way. I think I've used this example before. Whenever I was 
was a teenager. I wasn't old enough to drive yet, but I was getting close. My best friend at that time, he lived two houses down from me. Now, we lived out in the country, so two houses down was still a little ways down. But anyways, um, I spent a lot of time at his house. He spent a lot of time at my house. I spent a lot of time at his house. He had a little brother that was a lot younger. You know, me and him, we were like 14, 15 years old then. And he had a little brother that was like 10 years younger than him, okay? And so his little brother, Levi's his name, Levi, um, he was big kid. He was always really big for his age, okay? And uh, we, he would run around with us, and he would follow us everywhere and try to do everything that we did. And honestly, we were pretty rough on him because he was so big. I mean, we, just, we treated him like he was older than what he was. Well, I was over at their house one night, and I usually wasn't in their house very late. You know, usually my parents was always supper time, you'd be home, and that was it. This one evening, I don't remember why it was, but I was there plumb up like bedtime, okay? I was there. Maybe I was spending the night, I don't remember. But I saw a sight I never would have thought I'd saw. I saw a boy, at this time he's probably six, maybe even probably six years old, maybe seven, maybe close to seven. Every bit as big, as tall as Nathan is. Told you, he's a big, big boy for his age, or close to it. I saw him go to the refrigerator. I saw him, first of all, get in a cabinet, pull out a bottle. I mean, like, bottle like you feed the baby bottle. Go to the refrigerator, take the lid off himself, fill it full of chocolate milk, I am not exaggerating. May the Lord strike me dead if I am stretching anything even a tiny bit right now. Fit, poured it himself, filled it full of chocolate milk, screwed the lid on good and tight, and went and laid down on the couch just like a baby, drank that chocolate milk out of that bottle. Ron, that's a sight I'll probably never forget the rest of my life. I just couldn't believe it completely appalled. Not only was he way too old, then when you factor in his size, it's an absurd scene. That's the same picture that Paul is painting to us here, spiritually. And what the sad part is, it's a problem that we still have in the church today, and may I be so bold as to say it might be worse today than it was then. And it amazes me. How, w right now, you have more ability at your fingertips to study the Bible, to read the Bible, and to know the Bible maybe better than any generation before. But yet it seems like we're the most biblically illiterate, ignorant generation since the time of Christ. I may be overstating it, I, I don't know, but it sure feels that way. And the thing that amazes me is a pastor, right? What, am I, what was it that Jesus told Peter over and over, if you love me, feed my sheep? What do you think that I, I mean, he's talking to Peter as a pastor, right? That's what, he, that's what he's talking about, that's what he means. So therefore, he's saying the same words to me, go to Peter's epistle. Peter makes that same point, right? I'm supposed to feed the sheep. And it amazes me how many there is who 
was way too big to be drinking out of a baba. I mean, they're pouring it themselves. It amazes me the resistance that you get if you even so much as suggest, let's go a little deeper into the Word of God. Let's study a little bit more. Let's dig in here. And it amazes me the pushback of, ah, oh, I don't need to know any of that. You know what that is? And if that ever crosses your mind, you know what you're asking for? You're asking for, you're asking for the pastor just to make you another baba. You sure are. And some of us, just like, that, just like Levi's mama, she was silly enough, she just, you know, kept right on. And there's too many of our pastors that are silly enough that we just keep on warming them up some milk and making them another baba. Listen to me, we need to throw out a steak and you need to, uh, look, you need to cut some teeth and you need to bite into it and you need to chew on the meat of the Word of God. Now that ain't what I come to preach about, but you got that before you got your salad, all right? Let us move on to perfection. Perfection is maturity, all right? It's, 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 it's to stop, it's time to move past the immaturity. It's time to move past being a babe in Christ, and it's time to move on into, into completeness, to full maturity, right? Uh, think about it this way. Think about fruit ripening as it comes into season. I mean, no one likes green persimmons, do they? No one likes green strawberries or green peaches? No, you want them things ripe, right? The riper they get, the sweeter they are. You want them to become perfect. Fully mature, completely right. That's what the Lord is telling us here when He says, I think it's the Apostle Paul that wrote the book of Hebrews, but we can debate that later. I don't know for sure. But whoever it is, that's what He's talking about when He says, Let us go on unto perfection. Too many people, too many people are satisfied to be a green persimmon. And you know what? A lot of them act like green persimmons. They look like green persimmons too. I mean, they like, look like they ate a green persimmon. Here's another problem that we have. Too many people are always looking in the past. Too many are trying to live in the past. Too many are trying to live on yesterday's manna. I think I heard a preacher preach about that not very long ago. Some are only looking for the bare minimum. What I mean by that is the least they have to do in order to maintain themselves, to stay right where they are. Listen closely to the call of this verse. Let us go on. That's what you should have heard when, you went, when we went through all, tw- uh, all 13 times 
that phrase appears in the 12 different verses in the book of Hebrews. If you want that list of verses, see me afterwards. I'll give you all of them if you didn't get them, make note of them before. Let us go on. Those words, right, in one form or another, as we go went through all, 12, all 13 instances and all 12 verses, they, those that led us was part of an expression, right, that expressed the idea of a forward motion. And so it's my desire here tonight to maybe give you some thoughts to help encourage you to go on, just like the scripture says. Let us go on. I thought about what is it maybe, sometimes we start out good, but then something happens along the way that stops us from going on. And, and the first thought, maybe this is silly, but just stick with me for a minute. The first thought that I thought is, I thought, you know, how is it that you get stuck, right? You, you, you're making forward motion and, and you get stuck. Well, the first thought, and, and my old country hillbilly mind is, you got stuck in a rut somewhere, <laughs> And so I thought about ruts in the way of going on. You, you, know, you know how what a rut is, right? How that comes about. A rut is what happens when you, when, when you drive through mud or across soft ground. You make a rut, right? I've seen some pretty big ruts. I've made some pretty big ruts. I've gotten off in some pretty big ruts before. I heard one person, a preacher one time, he was preaching, and he said that a rut is nothing more than a grave with both ends kicked out of it. I thought that was pretty good. So what are some of these spiritual ruts that we get into? Well, the first thing I thought was it might be a rut of discouragement. Right? You might be discouraged. You might be discouraged with your own self. Right? I mean, self has a nasty habit of rising up and, and, and giving you a hard time and discouraging you. You might be discouraged with your lack of spiritual growth. Or, or it may not be self. You might be discouraged over family. Your family might be against you. Sometimes that can happen whenever you're trying to serve God. You may not be, you know, your family, they might not be all that you uh, uh, would like for them to be or want them to be, spiritually speaking here. You might be discouraged over their uh, pack uh, or their... Um, Apparent lack of concern over their own spiritual condition. You, you might be in a position where you desperately want them uh, to get right with God. You desperately do not want to see them go to hell, right? And so, and so you are concerned. Maybe you're concerned to the point you're losing sleep over their spiritual condition. And they seem to not really care. They seem not to be concerned. If you're not careful, you can get into a spiritual rut. Or you might be discouraged over your financial situation, or probably more accurately, your lack of finances. It might seem like no matter how hard you try, right, you're in that rut. And you just can't ever seem to get ahead. Or you might be, you could be discouraged over the church. How many over the years get discouraged and they leave? Or they move on or they quit coming altogether, right? Uh, things might not be going the way that you think they ought to be going. 
Or, or maybe the pastor or the pastor and the deacons, right? Maybe, may, maybe they've done something that, uh, you know, has discouraged you or they haven't handled things the way that you would like for them to handle things. Or, or maybe that's not it at all. Maybe you've gotten, dis- you've gotten discouraged because of an illness. There's different types of illnesses that just seem to have, a, have built into them a factor of hopelessness. Um, truthfully, um, cancer is kind of one of those. Now, it's gotten better over the years. Um, the, there was a time, I can remember when I was younger, and you heard somebody got cancer, it was like a death sentence, you know. It was just like you knew they were going to die. It's just a matter of how long it's going to be before they die. And, of course, actually the, the success rates of being able to stop the cancer or for the, go into remission is so much higher and so much better now than what it used to be. But there's still an element of hopelessness with that uh, diagnosis. I mean, because let's just be honest here. There's still no real, for sure, cure. I mean, I'm talking technically the word cure for cancer. Really all they can do is, is cut it out or kill it with chemo and, and radiation and hope that it doesn't come back. I mean, that's really, when it comes right down to it, you ever been in that situation? That might sound harsh or doom and gloom coming from, coming from me up here. And I don't mean to discourage anybody whatsoever, but I'm just being honest with you. As someone who's, who's ministered and been a chaplain in, in the uh, oncology department before, uh, I know what it's like to go in there and what the different people deal with, and they go through. And so maybe you've experienced something like that or going through something like that, and you're discouraged because of your illness. Cancer's not the only one. That's just the example I picked because I'm the most familiar with it. There are so many other things and illnesses out there. Listen to me. Whatever rut you find yourself in, the Bible has clear instructions for you in these times. Do you know what it is? Let us go on. Let us keep moving on. Forward motion. Thirteen times he indicates it to us. Keep moving forward. Don't stop. Don't get hung up in the rut. Do you know what the secret is of not getting stuck in the mud is? Don't stop going. As long as you got forward motion, you got a good chance of getting out. As soon as you as soon as you stop forward motion, that's when you're in trouble, right, Randy? That's right. That's someone else that spent time in the mud. Don't stop. Don't get hung up in the rut. Keep moving on for Jesus. Let me give you, let me give you a couple reasons real quick, just kind of in closing. Two reasons for going on. Here's the first one. Jesus is still Lord. 
God is still on the throne in heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He, he is still as powerful as he was 2,000 years ago. He still knows all, right? There's still not anything that he doesn't know, right? He knows our hurts. He knows our pains. He knows our circumstances. He knows our problems. He knows our shortcomings. He knows our motives. He knows our hearts, right? And he is still present. He is still sitting. Jesus is still sitting at the right hand of the Father, right? And he's not sitting there at the right hand of the Father wringing his hands, nervous, worried about things. Listen to me. He knows the answers to our problems. He can still work in our lives. He can still heal. He can still save a lost soul, right? He can still hear us when we pray, right? And when we're in a rut, He's still right there with us, right next to us. And let me give you my other one, my other reason. It ain't over yet. It's not over yet. As long as you still have breath in you, it's not over. You, you might be, right, the devil may have tried his best to hang you up in a rut of, of, des, of, 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 of discouragement, right? He might have done his best to hang you up in that rut, right, trying to convince you that, that, that you know, maybe you've gotten a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Maybe you're going through some hard times in your life. Maybe you're in a state, right, where it seems hopeless, and the old devil comes along, and he is just feeding that, and he's doing his best. He's doing his best to get you to stop because as soon as that forward motion stops that's when the best chance of getting you stuck in that rut is and remember what I said the old preacher said a while ago a rut ain't nothing but a grave with both ends kicked out of it that's what he's trying to do the thief has come right but not for to steal to kill and destroy that is you that he is trying to steal he is trying to kill and he is trying to destroy as long as you have got breath in you it ain't over yet. God has still got a purpose for you and for your life. As long as you still got breath in you, he's got something for you. There are still victories to be won. There are still souls to be added to the kingdom of God. There are still missionaries to be supported and to be prayed for, right? There is still work to be done uh, in God's kingdom. We're still to go out in our Father's field and labor. Nowhere in the Word of God does it say, labor in your Father's field until things get right. Labor in your Father's field until you first rut you come across and then just stop and lay down in it and pretend like it's your grave. You won't find that nowhere. Keep on. Keep on. So here's what I come to tell you. Let's move forward. Let's not sit down in that rut of despair or depression or discouragement any longer. Let's move out of those ruts of complacency. And let's go on. I mean, I see God moving and I see him doing some things. Why in the world would you sit down and do nothing now? Come on, there's forward motion going. Let's go. Let's dedicate ourselves to the building of God's kingdom. Let's dedicate ourselves completely, 100% to the Lord and let us move forward in our Christian walk for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ.
Why? Why would you lay down now? The old devil's got a rut for you. And he'd like for you to just lay down in it and play dead. But I'm telling you, the Word of God says, let us move on unto perfection. If you're perfect, then go ahead and lay down your rut and die. But if you're like me, you ain't there yet. And so let's move on. Let's move on. Church, do you hear me tonight? Let's move on for the glory of God. Let's move on for the kingdom of God. Let's move on. They still souls to win. They still souls to add to the kingdom of God. They still work to do. Our Father's field is still white, ready to harvest. Let's move on. Hallelujah. Don't stop now. As Jennifer begins with a song of invitation, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet tonight. I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight. Spirit of God dealing with you tonight, would you come? Maybe you've got a need. Maybe you've got a heavy burden. Would you come? Maybe God's been dealing with your heart about something. Well, come on then and let's pray. Whatever it is here, don't you hold back. Don't you wait for another opportunity. Don't you wait for a different night. Don't you wait a moment longer. Come on now. Whatever it is, don't miss this chance. If God's dealing with your heart, then come on. If tonight's your night, then come on. I want to hear the angels in heaven rejoicing tonight. Whatever it is, would you come tonight? Would you come tonight?